Things are progressing on all levels. We had some snags with the construction, but it's coming back together, so we're grateful for that. And uh, we um, have a couple of other things I wanted to mention to you. Uh, Sunday night, we're gathering in Alma for prayer, right? At the Bible study. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, first one. So, yeah, it's okay. And, uh, and then Wednesday night, we'll be gathering in Saginaw for prayer. So... Um, we just want to remind you guys that live in the Saginaw area that we're going to be doing that. We're going to continue to reach out strategically to different areas and for these prayer groups. So um, we had a great one in Alma. The one in, uh, So if you're in the Alma-St. Louis, Ithaca area, I hope you can come out and join us for that. Six o'clock on Sunday night at Dale and Mary's house this coming week. And they have food. And so it's really great. And uh, the food is awesome, too. Praise the Lord. Prayer is really good. Fellowship is excellent. But the food is, wow. Amen. And then, uh, then the Saginaw one, we don't eat. So we, we just pray. So, but we're doing that this coming Wednesday, okay? Um, or next Wednesday, excuse me. The other thing I wanted to mention, Kevin is starting an author's group. And uh, just to talk with other people that are interested in being authors of books. And if you're interested in doing something like that, he has a sign up in the lobby. And he can tell you more about that out there. And uh, so we wanted to mention that to you. And I'm ready to get in the word. How about you? Amen. Well, I have been really deep in this study on identity. And uh, have been just having a blast with it and uh, teaching on it. And uh, so we're going to dig right in, um, kind of leaving off where we were the last time. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead in our sins, but Christ has raised us. Uh, He has taken us out of that. He has removed that mark that was against us with sin. Um, We were dead in our transgressions, our iniquities in our life, but through Jesus Christ, we're set free. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but how does that play out in our lives? How does that affect our lives? And I want to really dig in tonight on the whole idea of life, about what life is. If you're writing in your Bibles, there's two um, words that I want you to write down. It's a, one's an Old Testament word, one's a New Testament word. They both mean the same thing. Um, and uh, the reason the Old is it, it's in the Hebrew. Of course, the New Testament's going to be in the Greek. The Old Testament word for life is the word hey, H-A-Y. H-A-Y. The New Testament word for life is the word zoe, Z-O-E. When it's manifested, it's zeo, but uh, the word, the same word that would be used would be used for uh, life. Greg, would you grab my uh, board for me and bring it over? Thanks. Um, So it's important to recognize this because the word life shows up in Genesis and then the word life shows up in the book of when Christ comes back on the scene. And a lot of what Jesus talks about for you and I is about you and I having, um, about you and I experiencing life. Now, I want everybody to be able to see that. So put it up here. Yeah, probably ought to put it up here, son. Thanks. Excellent. So we talked about the last time when we were together, Thessalonians uh, says that, um, that in, in Second Thessalonians, or First Thessalonians 5.23, That we be sanctified, holy, spirit, soul, body. Now, we wouldn't even know that we have a differentiation of the spirit and the soul except that the scripture teaches us about it. 
But we wouldn't know that just naturally because there's such a link together between spirit and soul. There's, there's such a, um, uh, an overflow into one another that it would be hard for us to be able to distinguish that just in the natural. But because Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God rightly divides between soul and spirit. So we know that there is a differentiation. And definitely the spirit is that connection with God. Okay? With God. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. All right? The front man is the will, always. The front will is the determination. Some people have really strong will. Some people are, have a less stronger will in their lives for whatever reasons, um, you know, because of the way that they process things, because of what's emotionally going on in their life. But will definitely is the front man to the mind. the mind. The mind and the will make the choices for what's going on in your thinking. All right? The mind and the will make those determinations. Emotions have no control over your thinking. They really don't. So whatever you're thinking about, your, your emotions are reacting to. Uh, the, the, the Greeks, they believe that emotions are the manifestation of of they're that manifestation uh, in your body of what's been going on in your thought processes. And so when you and I, when we are allowing, you know, fearful thoughts, okay? Because fear is an emotion. Fear is an emotion. Now, let me say this on the other side, because we sometimes we do this, that we'll talk about fear and faith together. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is a virtue. Why is it a virtue? Because God gave it to you. Right? God gave it to you. To every man, according to the book of Romans, I'm going to give a lot of scriptures tonight, so if you're writing notes, that'd be really good because I, I, I'm not going to have time to turn to all of these. In Romans chapter 12, it tells us in verse 3, to every man that believes is given the measure of faith. Is given the measure of faith. So God gives you the measure of faith. Whatever happens with that faith is on you, not on God. But every man is given the measure of faith. You're given the seeds of faith. It's a virtue from God. You know, the, the, the opposite of faith is not fear. Really, it isn't. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Okay? Your pathway to unbelief is doubt. So you go faith, doubt, unbelief. Okay? which will manifest because these are all things that are going on <laughs> in your will, in your mind. And guess what it's going to manifest in your emotions as? Fear, right? Because fear is an emotion. How many of you know fear is an emotion? And have you ever been afraid? It's not easy to get rid of fear. Sometimes, truthfully, um, and we'll get into this in the weeks ahead, you have to act in the face of emotional fear. I mean, you don't want to do it, but you still got to do it. Because, because you know that there's something greater that's pushing and driving in your life. And then, of course, we talked about the body, the five senses. Now, God made all of this in our lives, spirit, soul, and body. And the Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that we're to be sanctified or made holy, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? So if you've got all that, let me show you this. Now, we did this with uh, everybody up here I don't know why that's not erasing well, but it, when God created the garden, all right, he created this garden 
and he created, he put two trees in the middle of the garden. One was the tree of life. I want you to remember that. And then one was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're both in the center of the garden. Now, God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Somebody asked me, and I think I shared this a couple weeks ago, but somebody says, well, why did he put that tree there? You can't have free choice if there's not a choice. So there's no free will if there's no choice. I mean, all, if all there is is the tree of life, then that's all you're going to eat from. But there was a choice, and God says, I want you to choose not to eat. That's what he was telling Adam and Eve. Don't eat from that tree, because in the day that you do eat from it, you'll die. So don't eat from that tree, okay? But of all the other trees, eat freely. Now, when he said the tree of life, what he was saying is there in the book of Genesis, in fact, turn back there with me, what he was saying in Genesis, <clears throat> I want you to see this in your, in your Bible if you have it there with you. That he created this tree of life. The word life that's used here is the word hay, H-A-Y. Now listen to this. It is the same word that is used in the Hebrew language when God breathed life into Adam. Okay? So what is he saying? He's saying, look, what, I've, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an access point. You all know what access points are, right? I'm going to create this access point for you to draw my life from. And what did he say about the tree of life? He said, if they eat from the tree of life, they'll never die, right? They'll live forever because the tree of life is, has within it God's life. It's the flow of life to them. So it's an, the tree of life is this, this, um, this access point that they're supposed to come and they're supposed to, to eat freely from, okay? Life, hay. Now, they, of course don't, and they decide to eat from the tree of knowledge of good. We don't know how long they were in Eden, but they decide to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, disobeying, wanting to be like God instead of drawing. So what they were doing, and I want you to think about this, what they were doing was saying no to life from God and yes to death. Because what did God tell them when you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? You will die. Now, there's no scripture that's for them right now except what God has personally told them. So what God is saying to them is exactly what he said to Moses. I lay before you life and I lay before you death. And here's what you need to do. Choose life because what happens when you choose life? You live. And I know in our thinking we would be like, well, no way did they choose death. But yes, they did choose death. Because God forewarned them that if you eat from that tree, then that day you shall die. You'll be separated. You, you, your, your body will be, everything about you will change. But they did not listen to God because the serpent deceived them into thinking that they could create their own life and be like God if they ate from this tree. So basically what the serpent was trying to trick them into doing, Mike, was to be their own God. You don't need God. Because the minute that you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
They, the serpent said, you will be like God, which means you will not need God anymore. Always in our lives, we're going to be faced with that opportunity. Choose life or choose death. And God says, choose life that you can live. I want you to live. So here's Adam and Eve. They're in that garden. God's telling them to choose life. And they uh, are struggling with this tree of knowledge of good and evil. So I'm not going to bring people up today, but I'm going to walk you through this. Here you got God. He is the source of life, whether it's through the tree or in personal relationship with them, walking with them in the cool of the day for, um, for the spirit of Adam. God communicates by the spirit with Adam because Adam is a spirit that was breathed by God, correct? So his spirit, which would manifest in his mind, will, and emotions, right? Because the information is coming from God into his spirit. It's intuitive. God is speaking to the spirit of Adam. This is how he's communicating with Adam. The spirit, it's manifesting in the soul and it's being evidenced in his body. Now watch what happens here. You're going to love this. When Adam and Eve, when they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, sin immediately entered in. All right? And sin is a separator between man and God. The Bible says that it's the wall of enmity. And so here it is in Romans. It tells us that now this partition has come up between us and God. And that partition now has created that we no longer have an access point. And they did not. Men did not have an access point to life. Now, they could do the commandments, but they did not have an access point to eternal life, the life that God wanted them to have. So men died. Men started dying. Now, what ended up taking place is that when man chose death, chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all communication now reversed itself in man's life. All right? So now what happens is man understands, not intuitively from God, but man understands now through his body. His body is influencing his emotions, his soul, his mind, and his will, and that is definitely influencing his spiritual life. See, And this is how God had to relate to man because he could not relate to man. That was his whole heart's desire about Christ coming is that, look, I'm going to take that stony heart out. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to, I'm going to take, and I want to, I want to be able to give you my life once again, but that can't happen while this exists between you and me. This is the separator right here. Is everybody following me right now? Maybe this is too, I don't know if this is too academic or not. Some of you are looking at me funny, but I want you to realize that what ends up happening is that the man now, everything he understands about God is not happening here. It's all happening out here. And so everything that man begins to do to understand God is built around religion. Because that's what religion is. Religion is the act of trying to, you know, to worship God. And so man, he can only understand God through his body, his five senses, what he touches, tastes, smells, hears, 
uh, feels, you know, all those senses. So now everything that he is drawing in, that's why the Bible tells you in Romans, once again, that all of creation cries out for the redemption of the sons of God. Then in Romans 1, it tells us that all of nature tells us what is right and that God exists and that there's something greater that's going on. But look, just because nature, because these external resources are telling us about God, does that mean that man understands God? Man does not understand God. And you cannot comprehend God through religion. You can worship God through religion, but what Jesus came and said is I didn't come to give you religion. I came so that you could worship God in what? Spirit. And what? And truth. So what he's saying is, look, what I've come to do is to reestablish the divine connection. Access point. You with me now? So everything we're understanding about God is coming through the body. You know, well, I don't feel that, Pastor. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, Jeannie's up here with talking about giving. Well, I don't feel like doing that. Well, okay, so that's tied to the soul and your emotions, right? I don't feel like giving. And so where did that come from? Because you're basing your giving off of your natural understanding of God and your natural understanding about money. Whereas if we based it off of the true information, which is intuitively from the Spirit of God, what would happen? We would give out of the Spirit instead of trying to comprehend it out of the flesh. Romans chapter 8 really lays this out. Go to Romans 8 with me real quick. I had you turn to Genesis and I didn't even let you look at the verses. But trust me, they're there. It's a good thing when your preacher's excited about what he's preaching. And I know this is a lot of, of, of information, but, but look, that's why we take notes. That's why we study. Um, and that's why we keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. Romans 8. All right. Paul begins to talk in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 as he's, as he's teaching and he says this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. All right? Which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, there it is right there. See it? Okay, if I walk after the flesh, what's happening? Condemnation will always exist. Religion is condemning. Because you cannot get where you want to go with religion. That's what we all found out when we were practicing religion in our lives. We were like, you know, I want to be close to God, but this isn't it. There, gotta be, there has to be something more to this to get closer to God. I mean, I'm doing all the kneeling. I'm doing all the standing. I'm doing all the prayers. I'm doing all of the confessions. I'm doing all the attending. I'm doing the giving my two bucks in the offering. I'm doing all the stuff, right? I'm hearing the sermons, but... The problem is I still feel condemned. Because it's after the body, it's after the flesh. It is not after the, the spirit, okay? Now, he goes on and he says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin 
and death. So what is he telling us there? Jesus came to take this out, okay? Jesus came to take this out. So he came to take that partition of sin out. So we're now free. We're completely free from sin and death. The difficulty that we deal with is though God is speaking to us intuitively and the avenue is open for God to, now we have an access point with God once again in our spirit. Communication is coming from God constantly in our spirit. The difficulty is, is we spent so much time learning from this guy that our soul refuses it. So people will say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I felt like it was God telling me to do this, but I didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? Well, I felt like it was God. See, you're still over in your feelings, right? Your emotion, you're still here because that's what our soul, and I'm not saying that to condemn. I'm just telling you that that's what happens to us is this soul is so polluted with carnal thinking that it refuses to allow the spirit to have the liberty to, to, you don't know what's inside of you. So I do too. No, you do not. I'm going to show you in just a minute because I'm going to show you something about what Jesus actually came to say your relationship with the father should be like. And, and we're all going to go, well, this sucks because we haven't been doing that at all. See, this now, this is so awesome. This right now is the Sanctus Sanctorum. Does anybody know what that is? That's a Latin term. The Sanctus Sanctorum, the Holy of Holies. Because now God dwells in us because the wall is taken away. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Now watch this, verse 3. For what the law could not do, because how did the law, what did we have... What was the rules of the law for? It was everything we do, right? Don't do this, don't do that. Live this way, don't kill. Don't, you know, don't, don't do stuff on the Sabbath. Don't. All the rules, regu- I mean, tons of rules and regulations. Far more than 10 commandments. I mean, they just kept getting bigger and bigger. Thousands and thousands of these things that we're supposed to do. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, because it worked on the flesh, but it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness, verse 4, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if we are still trying to comprehend God through here, we cannot. If we are trying to comprehend God through here, we can it's still the choice. It really is. I, I mean, you'll see it in just a minute. It's still the same choice that Adam and Eve had. You can access God through the tree of life, who is the tree of life, or you can continue to try to access God through the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death. The tree of death is your body. Because if that's how you try to comprehend God, it will, not, it will kill you. It will separate you from God. You'll come to church and be like, well, you know what? This, I don't feel anything. See, that's where we're so far off from what God has said in his word. It's not about my 
physical feeling. It is about the spiritual contact that his spirit is in me crying out, Abba, Father, son, you're in a relationship with me. Thank you. That's awesome, Pastor. That's really good. You guys are making me work awfully hard. Now look at this. For, verse 6, for to be carnally, fleshly, bodily minded, what does it say right there? What's the next word there in your Bible? Come on. It's death. Why? Because you cannot get life by doing it through your body. You know, you could look, I know in in other countries, people, they try to have spiritual experiences by doing physical things. In the Philippines, they'll crawl on their hands and knees up a mountain around Easter time to have a spiritual experience. They do the same thing in Colombia. They'll climb up. Their knees are bleeding by the time. In the Philippines, they'll take people and crucify them to crosses with nails because they feel like if I do this in my body, I'll experience God. And I'm telling you that your body, your body is not where you experience God at at all. Your body should be experiencing what is funneling through your spirit, telling your soul, and your body should be following in line with that. Man, if the church ever grabs onto this idea, watch out. Because this is when things become incredibly powerful in our lives. Because see, what what happens is, at this point, we're back in the Garden of Eden. Well, pastor, I don't know. You know, that just, that that sounds impossible. See, impossible is not a word in the spirit. It's not. It's not a word in the spirit. You know, just, I mean, there are tons of illustrations about this, but let's just take one with Elijah and the rain. The servant is totally going by what he sees when he goes down to the water and he looks out and he says, there's no cloud, there's no cloud, there's no cloud, there's no rain, there's no cloud. Comes back, does it seven different times, says there's no cloud. And, and Elijah says, go back again. Keep going back, keep looking, don't give up. Because why? Because impossible is not a spiritual term. Impossible is a natural term. Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe you don't get this. You go to God and you say, Lord, I'm praying for this miracle. And God says, I'm sorry, that's impossible. Would you ever expect God to say that to you? Then why do you say it to you? I'll never get out of debt. I'll never get healed. I'll never be able to do this. Why do you believe that? You believe it because you are basing your belief system off of your body, what you taste, feel, touch. I can't remember all of them, okay? But you know what I mean, right? Instead of out of the spirit where there's life. So anytime we're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we're eating death. We're just, you know, we're death eaters. We really are. And God says, look, I don't want you to eat death. Impossible is death. If I say that's impossible to you, what did I just do? I just killed your potential. I did. I mean, look, I I said, if I say that's impossible, I just told you there's no hope. And if there's no hope, there's no potential. And if there's no potential, then we're done. It's all over. 
accept what you've got. And so we'll create songs. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, and right? Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art waiting, please don't pass me by. Man, this is good. Look, I'm just going to, can I just be honest with you? I'm, I'm tired of being bound up by my flesh for taking all the excuses that my flesh tries to tell me about my weight management, about my mental health, about my physical health. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with all of that. Because see, I know that this is a liar. And I know that this is truth. And I know what he is saying will influence my spirit. And if I get this soul in line, this guy will come right in line with everything on top of it. You can never outperform your self-image. You just cannot. You'll, get, you, you'll try. I mean, there's nothing wrong. You will try. You cannot outperform your self-image because you will always bring everything back to what you believe. I watched a little girl at our altar one time. Um, it was a miracle. I mean, she got, I mean, she came up. She had damage in her shoulder. Uh, Odell's were here. Some of you might remember that. And I mean, she got instantly, I mean, she screamed. The power of God hit her shoulder. She screamed. She was jumping up and down all over the sanctuary, just totally thrilled about her healing. And, and I mean, and she was healed. She was moving her arm. It wasn't hurting. She was physically completely healed. Now, this is a, a proven doctor documented that she had injured that shoulder. And she was miraculously touched and miraculously healed. But the problem that happens, and this happens with a lot of folks with healing, is, is that instead of drawing from the Spirit, our soul tries to pull us back, tries to pull us back to what we have been familiar with. Because, look, healing is not comfortable to, to, to believe that God is going to do exactly what he said. Even though we may all say that we all, well, no, I believe God will do That's great, okay? But for us to say that and to live that are two different things. Because we'll always move back to our doubts, our fears, our concerns, our worries. And that's why First Peter 5, 4 says, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, concerns, and worries. That's why Philippians chapter... Chapter 3, 4, 3, 3 or 4, one of the two tells us don't worry about anything. Why? Because look, God, you have the opportunity to draw from the tree of life. The tree of life. So he tells us here in Romans, he says, look, the carnal mind. Well, I should read this in verse 6. I'm sorry. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life. And the word life here is the Greek word zoe, which is the New Testament word for hay, H-A-Y. So what he's telling us is, listen, the life of God, zoe in your Bible, is the life of God. The only way that the interpreters could figure out how to explain that word zoe was with the word life, and they tagged in Jesus, the word eternal life to it, that you are receiving a life that will let you live eternally. Glory to God. 
So what happens is we get born again, we receive life in us through Jesus Christ. And he says, look, if we're spiritually minded, if our mind right here is on our spiritual life, is in the spirit, receiving from the spirit, intuitively from God, then he says that will bring life and it will cause peace. And if you're not having and I'm not having anything as good as life and peace, I got some carnal-minded stuff to deal with in my life. Amen. Because look at verse 7. Because the carnal body, fleshly mind, the mind that is flowing towards that body that's getting all its resources is the enemy against God. It is the enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. They cannot please God. Wow. That's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's really, it's, it, it's tough as that's laid out for us. But see, it isn't like he said it and there was no way around it. There's definitely a way around it. And that is to draw, to go back to what you've got already. So you may not know you've got this. That's why God gave us his word. In Proverbs 3, it tells us that God, that wisdom and understanding have been given to us, and they are a tree of life. Hey, Zoe, they are the tree of life. The word is the tree of life. Proverbs 4 tells us that when you and I, he says, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your, your sight or from your mouth. He says, they are life. Hey, Zoe, they are life to those that find them. And then what happens? Because you're getting that life, it's affecting health to all your flesh. Glory to God. So what an influence this has on our lives that we are receiving the word. See, the Bible is not just a book of words. It is spirit and it's life. And so there is life that's in here. That's why you and I are to rightly divide the word of God. According to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 15, it says that we are to rightly divide the word of truth in our lives because it is this here that gives us the life that we need in our lives. Now, I'm going to wrap up here because I know I probably, you're probably, wow. Okay, great. I want you to go to John with me. I just want you to see the, the reality of what God, I have so much to, I have so many pages here, I just have to stop. But I'll pick it up. You know, I, I was going to tell you about, you know, those of you that just come on, um, are going to just come on Thursdays, that I promise you on Sunday there'll be more information. You know why? Because between Thursday and Sunday, I'm growing. I mean, I am. I mean, I'm like studying, praying, the Holy Spirit. This has really created a tremendous influence in my life. And I'm hearing the whisperings of God on a consistent, constant basis in my life. One, because I stopped looking over here to this guy who's let me down every stinking single time. Yeah, right? So in John chapter 5. We'll, we'll just rest here for a little bit. 
Jesus starts talking about his relationship with the Father. Okay? Now, I just want you to keep this in mind. John chapter 5 and verse 16. Or verse 17, sorry. Okay, so Jesus answered them and said, My Father worketh hitherto and I work. Now, notice the duality here. My Father worketh and I work. All right? Father first, then I work. Therefore, the Jews sought to kill him because not only had he spoken, uh, broken the Sabbath, but he also said, made God, uh, was his father, making himself equal with God. And that is not what he was doing, but, but you understand he is equal with God. That isn't what he was saying at all. Verse 19, so Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. Circle the word do there. Now, it doesn't say what he seeth the Father hath done, right? It says what he seeth the Father do. Done is past tense. Would mean that, well, he showed that to me and then that's how I'm doing. But he's saying, no, whatever the Father Whatever he do, does, you know, what he's doing. Sorry, I know it's bad English. Whatever he, I I do whatever my father, he does, okay? So he says, look, for what things soever he doeth progressively, ongoing, these also doeth the son likewise. Now, so would you agree with me, and we'll see a little bit more of this, that Jesus' relationship with God the Father was in everything that he was doing. It wasn't just, well, I'm going to go to prayer, guys, because I need the Father to talk. I need to talk to the Father. It appears from this that Jesus is saying, everything I do, I do because I saw the Father do. Now, what he's saying to you and I, what he's saying to these guys, and they're not getting it. We probably won't get it in its fullness tonight. But what he's saying is, I am in such a relationship with heaven. I am in such a relationship with, it, with heaven that sees all, knows all, and is prepared for all, that I am just doing what I am in, in relationship with the Father to do. The depth, see, what, what happens to you and I, we get born again, right? We receive Christ. Hey, praise God, I'm going to heaven. And we live a defeated Christian life knowing that we'll die and go to heaven somewhere, but not drawing from the very relationship that Jesus came to give us. Because I'm telling you, Jesus did not just come to give you fire insurance. He did not just come to give you a a, a get out of hell free pass. He did not just come so that you could Old Testament worship God born again. That isn't it at all. See, we still, we got to be so careful with this in our houses of worship because the house of worship cannot be about you and I trying to get God to hear us. Because he's already, he's, he's over here talking and we're not hearing. And don't tell me that you can't hear somebody talking and not hear what they're saying. Because some of you are doing it right now. Just because there are things being said does not mean that we are hearing what the Spirit is saying. 
Now, Jesus is trying to tell us here, here's the relationship I have. That's what I've come to give you guys. That's what I want you to have. I don't want you just to just to be followers. I want you to be people in a relationship with the Father through me. I'm the avenue. I want you to be in, I want you to be in close proximity spiritually with wherever he's at. Because if I, if you are, what does that produce in your life? Life, right? You become, you, you experience the life and nature of God. But if you're not, and you're over here and you go, well, I'm born again and I've, you know, I got water baptized and I got a certificate at home on the wall or in a book or I've got a Bible and we're over here still trying to do everything in our body. God speak to me. And look, there's, I'm not down crying prophecy or anything like that. That is all intuitive stuff that God is speaking out. But here's the thing. Prophecy and tongues and interpretation and all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you were to really look at what they were supposed, those were the manifestation of the church operating Mm -hmm. as God divinely intended through Jesus Christ, that we were not just doing that in church services. I think the worst thing that ever happened is that's what church became about was let's get a word from God. Because I'm telling you right now, the sanctum sanctorum of your life, the holy of holies, God's right there in the middle of it. He's right there. He's residing inside of you. And he is not saying, I'm sorry, that is impossible. That's impossible. That can't, no, that, no, that can't happen. That little girl that got healed, Man, she jumped, but then she started thinking about what had happened. And she kept moving her shoulder. And she kept moving it. And then she goes, feels like it's come, see, feel. Feels like it's coming back. Some of you remember this. You were here. I mean, she got healed. There's no doubt that God did something incredible. She goes, feel, and then by the end of the service, it was back. I asked Jerry O'Dell about it. He said, he said, you know, we see that happen a lot with folks that they get healed. And Oral Roberts, they went back to most of the people that got miraculously healed in their meetings. See, if you don't, and, and they lost their healing. Why? Because if you don't draw from the sanctus sanctorum of your life and you're trying to draw from what's happening out here, your body is a liar. I'm telling you right now, it'll lie to you. And it'll teach you to lie. Well, I don't feel like doing it. Well, see, that's what you're buying. Well, I don't feel like going to church. Well, I don't feel like doing I'm tired. I'm blah, blah. You're, you, okay, are you going home and go to bed? No, you're not going to go home. You're going to go watch Idiot Box for three hours. So you're not that tired, right? Or you're going to go read a book or whatever it is that you do, you know? I mean, look, your body will lie to you because it does not want you to go into the Sanctus Santorum because the minute that you get inside here, man, all of a sudden things, you're drawing, you're at the access point. Your body wants you to eat from the tree of death because it's used to the tree of death. It's like, go, let's go eat from the, let's go eat from that because then we can be like God. We make our own decisions. We decide what we want to do. We don't have to listen to the spirit, but here's where all the life is coming from. All right, so let's, let's, let's think about something Jesus said. Where's the kingdom? The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. The sanctus centaurum, the kingdom, is inside of you. In here is where life will come from. Now, you can, 
I'll go ahead and say this. It'll sound a little rough, but it'll be all right. You can have this incredible potential of the kingdom in you and die broken down. But there's so much life in you, you can't go to hell. You can live broken, defeated. It is God's grace, but it's there. All the potential is there of the kingdom inside of you. Jesus said it. I mean, how do you, what kind of parameters can you put on the kingdom? You can't, there are none because it's the kingdom of God. It's not my kingdom, it's his kingdom. So all the parameters of that kingdom, there are none because God, look, he's El Shaddai. You know, God is so incredible. I mean, I don't have time to preach on this tonight, but El Shaddai means he's more than enough. That means that any time that God decides that the very laws that he has established, that he just wants to go contrary to those laws, he can do it. Do you know why? Because he wrote the law. He's the lawgiver. So if God, I mean, if God says, hey, uh, I know that um, there's a law of gravity that I created, that everything, you know, be, the, the, the weight will keep you down. But if I decide to go contrary to the law of gravity, I could cause you to float around this room right now. He can go contrary. Your body could be eaten up with cancer and just like that, be totally turned around. I'm, I'm not kidding. Betty Malls, who was dead, dead in heaven, her body eaten internally by a, a, a busted appendix that had gone bad. And I mean, it just ate the inside of her up. It destroyed her internal organs, dies on a hospital bed, comes back into her body and her body is miraculously healed. She comes to life. I, do you remember how long she was dead for quite a while? And I, but, but her body comes back to life and they told her, well, we're, now watch this. We're sorry, but you know, your, your internal organs have been eaten up. You'll never be able to have children though. Even though you're alive, your life will be hampered and hindered. And she says, well, I don't believe that. And, and so what happened? She drew from the Sancta Santorum and within just a couple of years, she had a baby. She had a baby. Now, your natural mind, your soul attached to that body will say, well, they just misdiagnosed her, right? I mean, come on. That didn't really, no. She got healed. She got miraculously healed. You can't, the doctors couldn't explain it. You know, when doctors say we don't understand, that's a, that means something miraculous just happened, right? So Jesus says, look, I, I have this relationship with the Father that's so intimate and so deep that I'm constantly drawing from his life and he's showing me everything that I need to do. I'm, I'm seeing into the spiritual realm. Now, people in the church will say, well, don't get so, spiritual, you know, so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good. I've never met anybody that... I've met lazy people that are no earthly good, but I've never met spiritually minded people that are no... Can I get a good Amen. Now watch this in verse, uh, in verse, are you all okay? I, I promise we'll be out here in a minute. Verse 20, for the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Did you just catch that? Jesus is saying, look, I haven't even seen everything that he wants to show me yet. 
See, we think about Jesus. Well, he already knew everything he already had. He's saying, look, I'm only, I'm doing, I'm, I'm drawing from the Sanctus Santorum. The Father is showing me what to do. And he loves me so much that there are greater, I've done so much, but there are greater things that are going to happen because I'm drawing from, this, from the Father, from the Spirit. Oh, boy. And then he said in verse 20, he says, um, and he will show him greater works than these that you could marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth, makes alive those, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgments unto the Son, and that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth the Son, honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which he hath sent him. So here he's telling us, look, what's going to happen is, this is the relationship you're supposed to have. You go to work, you go home, you're on your way home tonight, and the Spirit of God is talking to you. Okay? You open your Bible in the morning and the Spirit of God is talking to you. You're driving to work, the Spirit of God is talking to you. In fact, I have times, and I, I look, I'm not losing my mind. I don't have a brain tumor or some crazy thing here, okay? I'm telling you, I, I want you to get this that God says stuff to me so much that I have to pull over on the side of the road and begin to write stuff down because when it's God, I don't want to forget it. Amen? Because I still got a soul that's like, you know, I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, I, well, that was really good and, you know, great. But I know you'll forget it in five minutes. You know, we all got Etch-A-Sketch brains, right? At least the things that we need to remember. And... So I pull over, I'm writing stuff down, I'm recording things, I'm, I'm, because God is speaking and communicating because I'm at an access point of life. So let me take this to, to a level and just be very confrontational with you about this. If your spiritual life is not at that level, you're being cheated from what God had for you. You're being cheated from it. Because, it, look, I love church, I love worship. I love reading my Bible. I love all of that. But let's go back to the fact that what God has given to us is he has put his spirit inside of us. And now he is saying, when will you start listening to me? When will you start listening? When will you take from my life? And it's, and you know, we think, well, gosh, you know, I mean, I got to get this right and I got to do that. See, there you go. You're back over on your body again. That's your body telling that's condemnation. It's your body telling you, well, if you do everything right, then he'll, he'll speak to you. It's like when we were in church, Sharon's mom and dad will be here next weekend. We were, we were in church and we're all worshiping and I, I, I have to watch. I like to joke around and, and sometimes I don't know my place. And so I'm, I told a little joke to Norma and she's laughing. And then the next moment I started prophesying. The Holy Spirit gave me something to say. And I, I didn't tell an off-color joke, okay? I was just chiding, kidding, you know, kind of a thing. And she said to me after the service, she says, you know, I just don't get that. How can you tell a joke and goof around and the next moment hear from the Spirit of God? 
Well, how do you do that? Because you eat from the tree of life. Because if you think that God is going to speak to you because you're good enough, smart enough, and you've got all this going for you, I'm sorry, but you only got anything going for you because of what Jesus Christ did for you. He's the access point for you. He is our tree of life. That's why he said, look, anyone that comes and believes on me, he says, and he says, I will give to you eternal life, Zoe. I will give you hay. I will give you that life, that nature of myself that was given at the tree of life. If you come to me, I'm the access point to the Father now. Everything that you need, I will flow through you. I will speak through you. I'm not sitting distant in heaven, away from you, so that you can try to figure out how to get to me someday, and if you do everything right, you'll make it. I am in heaven, sent my Holy Spirit to reside on the inside of every last one of you that believe in me, and now all you got to do is take the life that I want to give to you. Just take the life. Draw from the life. Well, preacher, how do I do that? You got to straighten this guy out right here. You got to straighten him out, the soul. Your mind, you can control. Your emotions, you cannot control, except through what you're putting into your mind. Your emotions only react. Someday, as Christians, we will learn to stop reacting and start responding. See, a reactor is just reacting to a situation. A responder already knows the information of what to do. You know, we call them guys like policemen, firemen, EMTs. They're called first responders. Why? They know what to do. They're not first reactors. You're the first reactor in the room, okay? Ah, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know what to do. Start pushing on their chest or, you know, whatever. We don't know what to, I mean, we're trying, but we're not a first responder. A first responder is somebody that is trained and disciplined to know how to respond to adversity. When you and I stop being a first reactor where we react to every adversity in survival mode all the time and we become a first responder, we will see dramatic life change happen. Stand up, please. I got to stop. I'm sorry. I just keep going and going and going and going. But uh, we'll be back. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Uh, Chuck, come on up front with me if you would. Thank you, Lord. Sharon, if you would flip around there and um, thank you, Father. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life, Lord God. Father, I pray for every man and woman here tonight, Lord God, that in their that they would hear the voice in the sanctus centorum of their life, Lord God. This 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 cry, Abba, Father, Lord God, that they don't have to earn your love. They don't have to earn your healing. They don't have to earn anything. They just have to receive what you have already committed. Lord, may, may our lives tonight, tomorrow, may, Lord God, we, we do what we see Jesus doing. May we do what we see the Father doing. May we be that deep in a relationship with you, Lord God, that we're responding to adversity instead of reacting to it. Father God, I pray, I, I love these people, Lord, and I know that you have a determined call and plan and purpose for each of their lives, Lord God, and that is victory. Flat out, this is the victory that you said overcomes the world, 
even our faith. So flat out, your determined purpose is is that we are more than conquerors. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And all those agreed said, amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to hang around the altar to pray. Uh, If you have a prayer thing going on in your life, you know that you just want to.